Hello and welcome to Nolan Me, Nolan You, a brand new limited series podcast that celebrates the work of writer and director Christopher Nolan. I'm your host, Emily Murray, and today I'm joined by writer and broadcaster Anna Kell to discuss Nolan's mystery thriller, Memento. Released in the year 2000, Memento is the movie that introduced a lot of people to Nolan, whilst also catching the attention of Hollywood, being a huge indie success. The film tells a story of a man with short-term memory loss who has attempted to track down his wife's killer and stars Guy Pearce, Carrie Amos and Joe Pantoliano. We discuss the theme of memory, non-linear storytelling, Nolan's dedication to attention to detail and more. But first, here's a clip. Have I told you about Sammy Jenkins? Mm. Yeah. I'm sick of hearing about the guy. What about John G? You think he's still here? Who? Johnny G, the guy you're looking for. I mean, that's why you haven't left town, am I right? Maybe. Leonard, look, you have to be very careful. Why? The other day, you mentioned that maybe somebody was trying to set you up, get you to kill the wrong guy. Well, I go on facts, not recommendations, but thank you. Lenny, you can't trust a man's life to your little notes and pictures. Why not? Because your notes could be unreliable. Memory's unreliable. Ah, please. No, 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 really. Memory's not perfect. It's not even that good. Ask the police. Eyewitness testimony is unreliable. The cops don't catch a killer by sitting around remembering stuff. Right. They collect facts. They make notes and they draw conclusions. Facts, not memories. That's how you investigate. I know. It's what I used to do. Look, memory can change the shape of a room. It can change the color of a car. And memories can be distorted. They're just an interpretation. They're not a record. And they're irrelevant if you have the facts. Hi, Anna. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. Are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me to talk about all things Memento. Just want to know a bit about you and what you do and also your introduction to Nolan. Okay, so um, I'm a writer and broadcaster, uh, specialising in film and the arts generally. Um, So I write features and do interviews for a number of publications, websites, podcasts, anyone will have me basically. And I'm currently writing my first book. Um, So I'm currently writing a a biography of Diana Dawes. So it's very exciting. That's exciting. So what was the first Nolan film you watched? And also I want to know a bit more about why you decided to come on and talk about Memento. So the first film that I saw of Nolan's was Memento. Um, So way back when it first came out in um, 2000. Um, So yeah, it seemed natural choice to talk about that because that's the film I associate with Nolan when I think about his work. That's the first film that comes to mind. Um, So yeah, I I was really keen to kind of talk about that as as a film because I think it's it's a really unique film. Um, but really representative of him as a director as well. No, I totally agree. It is completely unique. So when you first saw it back in 2000, I presume it was at the cinema, what were your initial thoughts? So I went to see, um, I should say, the cinema with my uh, my brother. I was living in London at the time and me and my brother would, would go see films together quite often. Um, and it's one of those that we were really, really taken aback about just how um, great it was. And it had a real impact. And it's one of those that we kept talking about um you know we kind of keep returning to it and keep returning to the conversation um and i um enjoyed it so much that when it came out on video um i uh, made my housemates watch it too um a little <laughs> bit later on and they were always really scared when it's my choice to to choose a film when we were watching a video at home from uh, blockbuster um but yeah with this one actually they really appreciated it too which kind of kind of demonstrates you know just how much people can get out of it um it was again a, a conversation starter really kind of um and i really enjoyed kind of sharing it with other people and telling other people to watch it i think it's really interesting that it was your first movie i think that's probably a lot of people's experience in Nolan's. So I was four 
was I four or no six when it came out I can't do maths clearly uh, so I didn't see it until way after I'd seen you know the lights of a dark night and Batman Begins and I still think it might be his best movie although my opinion of that changes every single day but I remember after I saw the dark night in cinemas I that was my sort of first film that got me into cinema I said to my dad you know what else has this guy done and my dad's like you have to see Memento and yeah I just loved it and I wish I had the chance to see it on a big screen I know it turns 20 this year so if cinemas like reopen late this year it'd be good to see you know kind of anniversary screening you know as you said it's been 20 years do you think it stood the test of time like re-watching it recently compared to your first viewing I do um yeah I was kind of a bit um worried about how I would take to it it's been so long since I watched it I watched it a lot when it first came out and you know for the first couple years afterwards but then you know you you move on and kind of you know you you get into different things and I haven't watched it for such a long time and I was really concerned that it would be um quite dated or that you know it it wouldn't have the same impact so he has such a distinctive voice as a director and he kind of um Mm. you can still see that in the film um and yeah it does still um, stand the test of time for me there were, there were some elements that didn't work as well this time around and that could be over familiarity with it as a film or it could be a little bit of um, saturation of some of the techniques that he used at the time which was so new and exciting actually now used so much by other directors in their work that you kind of you're a little, little bit jaded to it maybe now yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so it could be that um, but yeah I, I was still stuck um, struck by his audacity as a director, his absolute confidence as a, as a filmmaker, and he's incredibly bold, incredibly confident in the way he made this film, considering when he made it in his career, and that still really stands out. No, I agree. I think it's interesting what you said about it doesn't feel dated at all. I don't think it is a film off its time. The only sort of signs that it's two thousand are maybe the outfits, the costumes, and yes. what you saw, and the use of like the Polaroid camera and stuff, but. I know what you mean in the sense of loads of films now have taken that non-linear structure, you know, just from the top of my head, there's like Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind and even Dolan's other movies like Inception. But I still don't think I've seen anything quite like Memento since. Um, so I still think it stands the test of time. And as you said, it's such a unique way of telling a story. We have the two sequences, the black and white sequence, which is shown chronologically, having a sequence shown in colour, which is told backwards. Why do you think this very... It's very strange, but it works beautifully. Why do you think this sort of two different storylines, told one told backwards, one told forwards, works so well for the story? I think um, it just completely um, immerses you as, as a viewer into um, the story. And it, you really... Um, you're right there in... The mindset of Leonard um, through that way of, of telling the story, the confusion and the um, you know the way it just kind of captures that feeling of um, kind of yeah the confusion of it all um, I think works really well. Um, it's a very cerebral film. I think you know he purposely has done that with the way he tells that story. Um, so obviously doing a bit of a reading around the, the film again and kind of revisiting you know kind of some of the thinking around it and um, you know he, he developed this story with his brother um, yes, Jonathan. Jonathan isn't it yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting that the, the original idea wasn't this non-linear way of telling it <laughs> and that was kind of developed as, 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 as um, Nolan brought it to the screen um, it's I think audiences rely on certainties 
or certainly enough, um, particularly with a thriller like this, um, to cling on mm. to. Um, you know, when you're watching it, you kind of think, right, okay, I understand that bit. I know, you know, what's going on here. Just that little bit of kind of certainty. And he completely throws that up in the air um, by the way he tells the story. Um, and he gives us nothing. You know, again, it's it's very bold and confident way of telling the story by just giving us nothing to cling on to as a viewer. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really clever. No, I totally agree with you. And you know, as you said, the non-linear version, we feel disorientated. We're sort of scrambling to find the facts, find the truth, just like our mm. protagonist Leonard's doing. Um, I think you mentioned earlier you had the thing on VHS. Like on my DVD, it has a way you can watch a linear version of the story, okay. which I have seen. And it is it is still good, but it doesn't work quite as well. I think we sort of need that disorientation for the story to work. Would you be interested in seeing a linear version if you haven't already? Uh, I haven't seen it, and no, I probably wouldn't, actually. Um, I think the beauty of it is in that non-linear storyline, mm. and that would, it would lose, for me, I think, so much from it to kind of take that away. And I don't know, obviously, you, you have seen that version, and whether it kind of becomes a bit more of a procedural, noirish yeah. thriller um, and doesn't have that thing that makes it stand out. You know, it is, it's the art of the way it's told, Um potentially rather than the story itself that gives the film its identity for me I think no I totally agree and as you said earlier it's such a bold sort of direction I think that comes across in all of Nolan's works and this was only his second feature film you know his first movie following was made with only six thousand dollars this was shot in 25 days and a budget of only 4.5 million so it's a jump from following but you know, it's nowhere near the same sort of scale as the likes of Batman Begins, which budget was 150 million, which is ridiculous. Why do you think this film has such an impact on Hollywood? And, you know, this is obviously following great, but this really is the start of Nolan's journey in Hollywood. I think it, it showed he was such an ambitious um, director right from the start. Um, I haven't seen Following. I, I really want to. I, I really like it. It's so hard to find, but yeah. it's worth it, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can see, you know, no wonder he went to Hollywood so early in his career because he, he, he's obviously a very confident filmmaker um, because he hasn't compromised his style, um, which I think is unique. You know, you, you have filmmakers who have a, a great debut or, you know, a couple of films in they make something that really captures the imagination like this did. You know, there was a real scramble mm-hmm. to get the rights for it and things like that when it was first shown and first released. Um, he hasn't compromised that style as he's gone on to Hollywood. And I haven't seen every, every one of his films, you know, I haven't followed his career, you know, kind of um, absolutely to the letter in that sense. Um, but I think that's unique that he hasn't compromised the way he wants to make a film. The budgets, the budget of his films have, has got bigger, but I think that just matches his the big ideas yeah. that he has. You know, it's kind of come to meet him, really. Um, he seemed to have retained that maverick style of intelligent filmmaking. He seemed determined to kind of keep that going. I think he obviously has garnered a lot of respect um, from studios who are willing to work with him you know, who he's obviously of a, a strong mindset in the way he wants his films to, to be seen. Um, you always feel a bit off balance mm. with his work, which I think is is really unusual in Hollywood to kind of um, to have that kind of feeling, you know, again, of that thing about certainties and about, you know, the kind of the, the, the nature of, of your bigger budget, more mainstream films. I think he, um, he he's gone to Hollywood's, but he's gone in his own way and his, his own, own style. And I think that's really unique. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason I 
respect him so much is because of that and I think it's really interesting what you said about how you go in not really knowing any certainties like we know we're going to get something that messes with our mind something that's thrilling but apart from that not really knowing what to expect which you can't get with the likes of blockbusters like I'm just thinking like the Marvel movies you always kind of know what you're going to get with those oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah I'm not a superhero type film viewer um you can probably tell um and yeah it's that thing of the um yeah the certainties of, of, of those films are definitely absent from his work or you're thinking i don't know what to expect when, when i walk in to see this film which is what i want i want to be surprised and i want to be moved and i want to be shocked and yeah i think as you said earlier he's quite a cerebral filmmaker you know you really have to pay attention to his movies to fully understand them and a lot of the criticisms of his work is mainly that he's quite cold and people say yeah, his focus is more on the brain rather than like actually emotion what do you think of office criticism especially in relation to memento i think that's absolutely true i think he is a very cold filmmaker um there is a real <laughs> lack of emotion um in his work that i have seen particularly with memento um you have a lack of empathy for his characters i actually i, I you know you don't know anything about these people um you, you're not given any insight into to them as people um you, you can't then kind of uh start to build this this picture of them or the the kind of um use your emotional intelligence to understand them as characters because you know nothing it's snapshots you know like his mm-hmm. um, polaroid pictures you know that leonard um, takes you see snapshots of people and sometimes that that's the way it is you don't you can't guarantee that you know someone you know that you come across in in, in life you know you, you don't know whether that's a true picture of them and through seeing that through through Leonard's experience I think it heightens that feeling of um that lack of emotion and the, the lack of kind of real insight in, into the characters um I think we as, as humans we, we rely on that insight and that kind of uh, making those connections and it's impossible in memento to make a connection with anybody everybody is you know seen as um yeah just kind of cold and and you know lacking that um yeah that kind of empathy that you want to create around a character when you're watching a film and that's that's again that's a bold thing to do because you, you rely on that you know to keep your audience happy that you mm. they identify with the character in it usually the hero we don't even know if leonard is a hero we've got no idea absolutely no idea about him yeah i think you're right i think the characters are like his polo pictures and he obviously writes notes down doesn't he on the back of the pictures of just a little summary of his thoughts on this person you know a teddy is don't believe his lies and that's all we sort of learn about the characters I think I'm a bit different to you because I do feel a bit of warmth towards you know like Carrie Ann Moss's Natalie and even Leonard to an extent like these characters have been through a lot and I kind of feel sympathetic or a bit more pity for them and I think the Sammy Jankis's wife you know character it's such a it's such an emotional storyline and you know here in the film Nolan does tackle themes such as grief loss you know, revenge and it is I think it's interesting that it's tackling all these quite emotional raw themes but you write from a sort of cold perspective I said even though I do feel a bit of warmth towards some characters it's not it's not really much like I don't find myself in tears at any point or anything and I'm I'm a big crier at movies <laughs> I I cry a lot of movies what do you think of um his fascination with the likes of crime and justice and memory I think these themes are present across all his work, but probably at its most in Memento. 
Yeah, you're right. That that feeling of um, yeah, that really comes across in Memento. Um, for me, it's about justice. It's about the the, the the kind of crime aspect of it, but also it's it's very much about identity um, and trust. And um, yeah, when you haven't got that 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 real kind of um, disjointed feeling, um, it's for, it's more about maybe revenge than justice for me. Um, but we don't know what for, so we don't actually know why Leonard um, wants to to do what he's doing. We're, we're a little bit unsure about his motives and actually about his memory. Um, we're not entirely sure that his memories are, the snapshots of memory are correct. They keep changing, um, sometimes through, you know, what other people say, but also sometimes through his own kind of, the way that the flashbacks are built. Um, it's about, I think he mentions, I can't, I can't paraphrase it, you know, what he says but about gaining his life back you know if someone took his life away and he just wants it back um if that's the main motivation for getting you know to, for killing john g um we're not entirely sure that's based on on anything factual we, we keep going back and forward you know and, and we keep going back to that time where his, his wife was attacked you know we don't really know for sure what happened and actually is there anyone to avenge um and his his motivation i think is really hazy um, so it's about his trust, but it's about our trust in him as a character as well. Um, you know, we we have to trust that he is doing this for the right reasons. But I'm not entirely sure. Particularly, I haven't watched it again recently. I'm not entirely mm. sure that you know I trust that that is the basis of his uh, reasons for for doing what he's doing. It's very it's a very unnerving film. It is unnerving. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. We can't really trust Leonard, especially at the end when everything is revealed and it is he's quite ruthless and it's as you said it's quite a cold film and I I don't know about you but one of my favorite things about it is the cinematography I think that really brings out how sort of cold it is and this is the first time Nolan's worked with cinematographer Wally Pfister who you know he became a long time collaborator with Pfister also worked in the Dark Knight trilogy and Inception and I really like how it looks very like bleached out washed out it's very dry and it's loads of blue use of blue and gray to make it very cold what do you think Wally Vista sort of brings to cinematography yeah I think you're right that the feeling that is created on screen really kind of um sticks with you um again the the coldness the kind of the um the the feeling of um kind of yeah following this journey um it, it it's really adds to to that experience of the film um it's very clever um i think it, there's enough visual clues um to kind of s- navigate the story you know the way that that is used but yeah this world it creates is really quite an, an unnerving one and it's kind of very it's a very urban feel to to the film and i think that 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 is yeah. uh, created through the, the way the way it's shot as well the kind of the um, not just the setting but the, the the way that the camera is used um it's very uh, very atmospheric but it's, it's very um you know you're in these co- um, cold and kind of small motel rooms and you're kind of in these kind of drab um places and that kind of that washed out feeling you know that the, the the way it's shot kind of builds on that i think um and that feeling of um yeah, that feeling of coldness is definitely created created through that collaboration, I think. Yeah, and I think also, I don't know if you agree with this, but it's quite grainy looking. It reminds me of like, the photographs Leonard mm. takes as they're developing. Yeah. I don't know if that's just me, <laughs> but I think I kind of get that impression. Um, so Nolan, 
he's a very meticulous filmmaker you know as you said earlier there's plenty of visual clues throughout here indicating you know different things for the story and I, I think that this is maybe his most meticulous movie I struggled to think about how much time and effort he had to think how he had to put into making sure this makes sense and it works and especially it works backwards do you agree that it's quite meticulous? I do, yeah. I think for Nolan, you know, detail is everything, and particularly in this film, because it, it's it's a puzzle, and he's I think he's trying to test us as well, so he has to be absolutely mm-hmm. sure on his detail if, he, if he's going to put us up to that test. Um, he's shown that confidence, you know, that um, bravado as a filmmaker by um, creating this puzzle for us. But yeah, it has, it has to be meticulous. Um you know, for 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 us to 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 see the the story the way that he wants to present it, but equally to to appreciate you know how clever he is. I think uh, that's part of it too. He wants you know, I think he enjoys uh, teasing the audience, and um, you know, he has to be absolutely sure of 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 what he's doing in in terms of creating that very complex picture for us. Um, I see it as as Tessa, but I also see his respect for the audience as well. The mm. fact that he goes to so much effort and and creates so much detail on screen that he really does um, appreciate his o- audience and treat them with respect. You know, f- as an in- intelligent viewer, um, which I think again is you know for a film like Memento, which is kind of on the the fringes, you know, percent before he went to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, you know, you can see that 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 is something that is maintained in that kind of film arena but going to Hollywood and taking that sense of um, intelligence with him I think is a really bold move um, you know it, it's sometimes you know Hollywood and mainstream film don't give the audience the credit they deserve for, for you know being intelligent viewers and I think he um, he books that trend a little bit and that part of that is the way he builds that detail picture. No I totally agree I mean I personally I don't find anything wrong with sort of dumb blockbusters you know action movies like sometimes that's what I want but also I do enjoy films like Nolan where you can't just watch yourself a couple of pints, you know, on your phone. You really have to be on it. And I really enjoy that. And one of the things I find most rewarding, particularly about Memento, is on repetitive watches, there's stuff that I've missed before that I notice. Um, like, especially a lot of visual clues he leaves scattered throughout the story. You know, there's a bit of Sammy Jankis's story at the end we see Sammy it I think it's a hospital or mental institution and then someone walks in front of the camera and Sammy's replaced by Leonard in that hospital and you know it's, it is a blink and you miss it and you do probably have to watch it a couple of times to notice that but I love that Nolan's paid as you said he's so absorbed by the attention to detail that there are these moments scattered throughout the movie I think we've talked about the ending quite a bit you know it's for me, like the film's great, and then it really pass up punch at the end with with the ending. What do you think of the ending? And you know, there's several twists. You know, Leonard as Sammy Jankis, Leonard having already killed John G. I think it's. I mean, it's so ambiguous the ending. Um, nothing is certain at all. And I, I, on rewatching, you know, for how you know several years after the last rewatch of several rewatches, um, it's still completely ambiguous. And it kind of. Um, I love that. I I, I think that's brilliant that you know um yeah it's it's great that you're still left with that that feeling like you say you spotting new clues and you kind of think oh well maybe and you just know absolutely Nolan just kind of tears it up again you know at the end um and yeah nothing certain at all um I think that's so bold you know giving the audience absolutely nothing but the experience of watching the puzzle and trying to unravel it um and then taking that away again at the end 
and you just start all over again um thinking okay right um what what was that all about what what is the true <laughs> story and i think that's wonderful that you kind of have that experience as a film um, of what you know you watch watching that film and kind of experiencing it through um, the eyes of Leonard but equally seeing that unfold and then just yeah the boldness of, of the direction to kind of just tear it up and, and start again each time I think is wonderful yeah and it's interesting I think that as we said earlier Leonard is quite a cold character we don't know exactly whether to trust him but at the end with that reveal he like it really adds a mean streak to him Ooh, and yeah. makes me view the character really differently and I think I don't know about you but like I like the theory that he is Sammy Jenkins, but I don't know if I 100% believe it. I don't know if that's because... I think it speaks to Guy Pearce's wonderful performance, but I do feel sympathy towards the character throughout. So even at the end, when we see that mean, you know, truth exposed and he's more than happy to lie to himself, I think even though it's likely that he is Sammy Jenkins, I don't know if I want to fully believe it. <laughs> and I said, I think that speaks to how the character's written, but also Guy Pearce's his, his wonderful performances and... What do you think of the character of Teddy who, you know, he has that reveal at the end too? Yeah, he's a great character and he's such a wonderful performance um, in that role. And yeah, yeah, the way when he, particularly early on when he keeps, you you see in the flashbacks and you keep seeing him arriving at the motel and he's doing that Lenny and it's kind of, it really starts to grate on you. um, That just that kind of um, feeling of like disingenuous kind of character and you really don't trust him. But then you think, well, you know, at some stages through the story, you're thinking, no, that I actually know, I think he is a cop or I, I think he is trying to help Leonard or, you know, you really start to question your own judgment. Um, and then it starts again, you kind of, he, he, you see him kind of um, squirming a little bit and it's just kind of, yeah, I, I love the fact that, you know, he's a, he's a great character and, and played so well with, with hardly yeah. anything to him, you know, apart from these little fleeting appearances. We know nothing about him. Like any of the characters, we, we don't know anything about them um all their motivations either and it's just yeah it's great uh it's a great performance and I think that it really um that combined with with Guy Pearce in the, in the lead role I think it's it's a great um yeah demonstration of of how they've taken those characters and kind of um, really run with them Guy Pearce is, is is brilliant I think in this there's there's a coldness to him in the, the way he's on screen he's brought that to other roles as well I think um but yeah he's uh yeah, it's it's wonderful the, the the way that the, with the little tiny slivers of kind of insight, you know, and the way that they, they, the 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 acts have taken the characters, you really start to you start to build a picture of them. And then again, it's it's taken away in the next scene. Um, mm. But yeah, I think a lot of that is down to the performance as well as the writing and the direction. Yeah, I think Pierce and uh, Joe Pantoliano, I think I pronounced his name right, who plays Teddy, play off together. They play off against each other so well, and mm, yeah. I think you know. They've got, Pancho, I'm going to butcher his name again. Pancho Liano, who plays Teddy, like he does appear like quite frantic and slimy, and I don't trust him. I don't know if that's also because he's untrustworthy in The Matrix, <laughs> which is another one of my favorite movies. He plays Cipher in The Matrix as well, but I think they're two very different performances, Guy Pierce and Teddy. And I think also it speaks to how well written Teddy is as well. That Nolan, you know, Nolan's written in a script that on the back of the photograph it says about Teddy do not believe his lies so it's instantly set up that we shouldn't trust him from the start which again puts you know puts the audience in the mind that this guy is is a bad guy I think it is really fascinating 
obviously earlier you mentioned that you haven't exactly followed all of Nolan's films you've not seen all of them but how does it compare to other movies of his you have seen I think um it it it's it still stands out you know as as the kind of um a a cracking example of a a very different filmmaker so if someone asked me about his work it, it would be this one that I would probably start to talk about you know and kind of say well look you know that he made this so early on in his career um I don't know how long out of film school he was but you know he, he was young and he was you know he's doing so much um with this film um you know you, you can completely kind of see him as a filmmaker already formed which I think is really interesting there's not many filmmakers um where you can really see that I think um recent kind of thoughts and examples to me um come out as uh, Celine Sciamma as, as a filmmaker from her first oh, yeah. film Water yeah. Lilies you can absolutely see her as a filmmaker and that's been you know that, that those themes and those ideas and that beautiful style that's that's come out from that first film it continues through her work and even you know portrait of a lady on fire you can see her as a filmmaker within within that journey and I think Nolan is is similar in the sense of um absolutely I'm not going to say style over substance because that really kind of belittles his work and it's probably the wrong way to say it, but <laughs> yeah. it is about the style and it is about being absolutely confident to, to show style as a filmmaker and be be willing to put yourself out there as a filmmaker and say I'm, I'm ambitious and I want to do something really different here um, and I think that's continued in his work um, you know I've got a, a lot of um, a lot of feeling for Insomnia as well as a film which was a, a couple of years after this one mm. um, and that could have been a very mainstream you know procedural thriller it wasn't and it's kind of you know given the right material he absolutely can fly as a filmmaker and really show um what what he does and what he can do and um that should always absolutely be encouraged you know we don't want vanilla filmmakers who who don't give anything to the audience consistently i think he does and i think memento would always be the one though that i would say if you want to be introduced to his work you have to start at the beginning no i totally i totally agree I think there's probably a lot of focus on his bigger budget movies. You know, you can't deny how outstanding the likes of Inception are, is in Dark Knight trilogy. But I'm with you in the fact that Insomnia Memento, you know, they're a bit more, not, I'm not going to, I suppose low key in the sense of scale, but they're even more impressive maybe because of that, because of what he achieves in those movies. I think we'll be talking um, about Memento insomnia in the next episode so thank you very much for joining us and uh, it's been great chatting all things memento and where can people find you online to find more of your work okay so i'm i'm, um, I'm always hanging around on twitter um, that's probably the, <laughs> the, the place to find me um um kind of you know talking about films and kind of talking about um some of the things i'm writing i i always use that as, as a way to kind of engage with with, with um with readers um as i said i've been working on a book um so that um will be coming out next year um so um i'll be uh, tweeting the the hell out of that one when that comes out <laughs> um but i've also got a, a film blog as well um and yeah there's, there's links to that on my my, uh, my twitter page it's probably the, the easiest place to to start and what's your Twitter handle? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's real <laughs> underscore meaning. Yeah, so go give Anna a follow at real underscore meaning. And we will see you next week for another episode. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. That was me and Anna Kell discussing Memento. Join me for the next episode where I will be joined by film critic Frida Cooper to discuss insomnia. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at NolanMeanNolanYou. And feel free to get in touch too with any feedback. See you next week.